Welcome to the Gunning Truth with Ronnie in association with the Arsenal Cape Town Official Supporters Club, a podcast that dissects all things Arsenal. Episode 5 of The Gunning Truth and uh, the All or Nothing documentary was released earlier this morning, 2am to be exact and uh, it's not that I was very excited about it because I kind of, and now that I've watched it, kind of what I expected with, uh, uh, yeah, I can't say there was any surprises but it just so happened that I was awake this morning because I actually just wanted to check if it's available at around about 2 and I ended up watching 2 episodes before I became tired and left the third one for later in the morning. But uh, as expected, uh, not too much uh, behind the scenes in the sense that uh, some of the controversial things that took place, what they did do was obviously behind the scenes uh, uh, of the first three games. But uh, maybe there's more to come in episode four till six next week. And uh, from there onwards, hopefully the Young situation will be a little bit more clearer. But according to the preview of the next episode, it seems like it's just going to be a conversation between Arteta and the players rather than a specific situation uh, where Arteta and Young discusses uh, whatever went down behind the scenes. So we'll see if that happens in the next episodes. But... Uh, I didn't have any issues with it uh, here and there. You still have people, obviously everybody's, or most people are still extremely negative on social media, uh, which is unnecessary. Uh, they were never going to divulge intricacies. Uh, there was here and there little clips of uh, Edu explaining uh, the squad management or the building of the squad to Josh Kroenke. And I must say, I must say, uh, even though the Krunkies supposedly annoys me, uh, I actually have been following uh, Josh on various platforms where he uh, speaks, uh, whether it's uh, related to the ice hockey team or the American football team or Arsenal on the American platforms that he goes on. And he does come across as relatively genuine. Now, uh, obviously, these guys are well-trained in the PR front. And that's also what I took mostly out of. It's not a negative or a criticism of the documentary. But once again, the Arsenal PR. That's one thing that they have done the best. And that is the PR surrounding the club. Uh, and I'm hoping that's where uh, most of our money comes in. Because uh, when you analyze uh, how Arsenal go about their business, obviously we've spent the most money in the last two windows. And we might spend some more in the final part of the window. So uh, if it is where uh, we've got certain uh, Twitter handles, uh, and specifically referring to at Sw- the Swiss Ramble, and a lot of uh, legit people seems to think that this guy's uh, analysis of the club's uh, finances is quite accurate. It might not be 100% accurate, but he basically uses public things that's in the public domain and then obviously information that he's researched. So 
based on that Twitter handle, the Cronkies don't really put physically money into transfers. They find other ways to be able to have funds so that, and I think they call it the day-to-day -day running of the club. So you can look at it as they're putting money in, but then again, it's 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 a very fine, how can I say, it's, it's fine details as to where Arsenal are actually getting the money from to be able to, without Champions League football, be able to attract these type of players. But then again, the wage bill management over the last 18 months or so is helping with uh, being able to purchase players. So, uh, yeah, without spoiling too much of the All or Nothing documentary, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, the lead up to games was quite interesting and it's obviously Arteta-centered, the, the whole documentary. And uh, obviously there were certain publications that got to watch the first two episodes, I think it was, that they released uh, to the media. Uh, I don't know where they ended up watching it. Probably, I think it was a premiere event or something like that. And uh, some people obviously kind of, I wouldn't say spoil, spoil it, but they did indicate that it's an Arteta-centered type of a documentary and not really going into uh, the home lives, especially in the first three episodes of the players. I think there was only one incident where it was one player, I want to now kind of spoil it, one player that was filmed at his house. Whereas uh, I think in certain little snippets, uh, we will see Arteta's home life and I think Xhaka as well in the snippets that we've seen in the trailers. And then I'm still looking forward to seeing whenever, because at every training ground there's fights and stuff that happens because people are competitive, whether the players are good enough or not. Uh, Training is always competitive and there's always things that happens and players get annoyed throughout the season or you're not having a good day and some teammate that's maybe playing around just irritates you or annoys you and then a fight takes place. It happened a lot with the Invincibles. I used to read books and stuff related to the Invincibles and how Lauren and Patrick Vieira used to fight all the time and Keown and Henri uh, when... The, the level was so high and the intensity was so high in training. That's why we were so good back then, because the training level was extremely high and obviously the physicality and the technical level of the players that we had. But uh, I definitely recommend, uh, I don't know where people, if they don't subscribe to uh, the Amazon network or Amazon Prime uh, network, then uh, you will have to find other means and I'm not going to promote what those means are to watch the episodes. So all or nothing, I give it a, a B plus. Uh, the reason why I don't give a higher rating is I felt uh, there is a kind of a change, especially with Edu speaking in the media, of wanting to let the people know exactly what's going on in the club. I don't expect them to divulge all the details but there are certain key things that happened last season that I feel the supporters needs to know and that includes uh, the Xhaka situation or at, at the very least all these red cards etc and suspensions how does that get dealt with just so that we can know that there's accountability at the club and then obviously accountability as well with regards to the whole Alba situation and then obviously if other players uh, maybe it's still coming in the documentary. There's how many episodes to go? Three already. Five episodes to go, three next week, and then two in 
two episodes in the final week. So it could be that they will still kind of explain the behind the scenes way of dealing with uh, discipline, which I think is very important and it, it's prevalent in the behind the scenes episode so far with regards to how Arsenal go about things and maybe that will come on in the episodes to come so next thursday morning probably 2 a.m again another three episodes gets released i certainly will not be waking up that early again because i'm now extremely tired but uh definitely worth the watch and uh, a lot of people on social media talks about cringeworthiness maybe uh, one of the the events that took place before a liverpool game can be seen as cringeworthy but i found it liberating the tactic that uh, Arteta used in training prior to the Liverpool game and unfortunately the result didn't go our way to say the least. Up the Arsenal, all or nothing. So the Arsenal outgoings uh, this last couple of days, uh, we had uh, Ryan Alibiusu, uh, quite a strange surname there, uh, joining Kilmarnock, uh, Arthur Okonku, so that was our third keeper last season and he barely got any games. He's been loaned out to the crew, Alexandra. And then Nuno Tavares uh, going to Marseille and Mazid Ogumbo going to Crawley Town. So that is our outgoing loans. And then we've had exits. And then obviously there was another outgoing loan and that was Folleran Balogun joining Stud Reims in France. So uh, looking forward to that. That's actually a very smart one, especially from him and his representatives, because apparently there were English clubs interested, but he would not have been the main striker there. Whereas at Reims, clearly there has been some sort of negotiation for him to play more games. So uh, exits this week, uh, Burnt Leno for three million pounds guaranteed. So uh, Ornstein, David Ornstein, Orny as we like to call him, uh, broke down the the structure of the payment. So Arsenal are get the, getting guaranteed three million. And I think it was something like one million or one and a half million based on appearances this season, which I think is obtainable because he will be their first keeper. And then the, the rest of the money that makes up the eight million is do they stay up the season? And then I think the final part to get to 8 million is do they stay up a second season? So a very, very poor deal uh, with regards to Arsenal. But I can only imagine the parts that trumps this deal is the wages are off the wage bill. And uh, what was the other reason I was thinking of? Obviously, he gave good service to the club, never moaned, never complained. So I think Arsenal kind of just wanted to help him get the move done. But I was hoping that we could start recuperating some money. And I'm actually going to uh, look at all eight exits so far. So permanent exits so far, this uh, transfer window, Alexandre Lacazette, obviously on a free However, very close to £180,000 per week is off the wage bill. Now, I think non-obtainable bonuses, and the reason why I say non-obtainable, because he had to score a certain amount of goals to be able to get to about £200,000 a week. And uh, clearly, four goals uh, didn't get him there last season. So, uh, £180,000 per week off the wage bill, and then Jordi Osai Tutu, uh, a youngster that's been coming uh, along 
for quite some time. I think he's had four different loan spells. Just never seemed to be able to get rid of the injury bug. Another youngster that's often injured. He's gone to Bochum in Germany for free. Daniel Ballard uh, gone to Sunderland for one million. But I think there was a sell-on clause inserted, which wasn't made public. So uh, if Sunderland decide to sell him in the next two to three years, then Arsenal get quite a nice uh, percentage of that fee, obviously depending on what it is. And then more poor business, Matteo Guendouzi, 10 million to Marseille. So it was a loan, a one million pound loan, I think it was, and then an obligation to buy for 10 million, which makes the deal a total of 11 million. He's gone to Marseille permanently. Konstantinos Mavropanos, 3 million to Stuttgart, another player that there was quite a high loan fee Stuttgart paid in the, in the previous season and then obviously purchased him outright. And then I read somewhere they might be selling him for about 20 million. So double what they paid for him. That's if they decide to sell him. There's, I think, some club in Germany that's interested in, in him for about 20 million or 15 to 20 million euros. So they will, funny enough, they will actually make a profit there. The sixth permanent exit of the summer to Portsmouth was Zach Swanson, a player that was quite regularly on the bench last season in the, in the period where we had quite a few youngsters on the bench. He's only gone for 127,000 this is ridiculous the amount of money and then the one that 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 would hurt most for people that watches the youngsters quite often Omari Hutchinson for free to Chelsea now it's stated everywhere free however I think we obviously should have gotten a compensation due to the fact that he has developed with us so I'm assuming up to about a million or two compensation from Chelsea and then finally, Burnt Leno, 3 million guaranteed and the rest, you can call it add-ons. Probably the only thing that's obtainable is the appearances. So I think it's going to be 4.5 million only because the other 3.5 million is dependent on Fulham staying up. And in my opinion, I think they will go straight down. Burnt Leno's debut, Saturday against Liverpool. Interesting. So... Outgoings, it's still going a little bit slow. The rumours at this moment in time is uh, Lucas Torreira. There's two rumours. Number one, that is going to Galatasaray. He's been, I wouldn't say pictured, but his agent has uh, on some publication mentioned that he was going to be uh, in Istanbul. And uh, Fernando Musleira, the former Uruguay captain and goalkeeper, uh, convinced him to come that side because... It's very weird. He's saying that he's homesick and it would be weird for him to go to Turkey rather than to Italy or Spain where he's a little bit more comfortable, it seems. But apparently the second rumor is that he's holding out for Valencia to come in with a late bid. However, from Spain, they say in publications, whether it's true or not, this is just what it's being reported, is that uh, Valencia want Arsenal to terminate his contract. So... Take 7.5 million euros from Galatasaray or terminate his contract and possibly have to pay him bonuses or the rest of his wages for him to go to Valencia. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So that's dragging, probably because of that. Otherwise, the player would have been at Galatasaray by now. But I th I'm assuming he'll go to Galatasaray. And then another very cheap deal, Pablo Murray, who... When you watch the behind-the-scenes footage and you watch training, he's a huge guy but hasn't got a 
I don't know, defensive IQ is what I like to call it, or he's just he just doesn't seem to look as good as he looked when he was at Flamingo. Uh, doesn't seem to look as good in the Premier League and uh, tends to be very weirdly physically dominated, especially by if you look at the even if you look at the documentary of this morning, uh, the first two games against Brentford, he was dominated by Ivan Tony and he was dominated by Lukaku in the second game against Chelsea. So usually physical imposing guy, but gets dominated quite easily by certain types of strikers. So it sounds like he's going to uh, Monza, which is a club owned by one of the former Formula One directors, I think Berlusconi. And he's going to go there on loan with an obligation to buy if Monza stays up. So uh, another thing that's not guaranteed. So you're not going to be guaranteed that three or four million because Monza might go straight down again. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, not good business. However, once again, on high wages. And I think that's one of the few players that's in the Edu and Arteta era because Arteta obviously worked with him at Man City. So brought him in, gave him quite a bit of a wage. And there was certain appearances that he had to do to be able to, to for Arsenal to pay Flamengo in instalments. So another deal that made absolutely no sense. Huge guy, looks physical, but very weak. So that seems like the current exits. And then uh, Hector Bellerin. It sounds like it's probably going to be a situation where Arsenal's going to have to terminate the contract. Like Edu has said in certain recruitment interviews that he's done. So it seems like uh, Bellerin because uh, Real Betis cannot afford him. In fact, even if Arsenal agreed to terminate Bellerin's contract, they still need to sell one or two players to be able to afford the financial package that Bellerin wants. And remember, Bellerin will be taking a pay cut. So they can't even afford him when he does a pay cut after selling one or two players. So it just shows you how high the wages are. Certain clubs in Spain just simply cannot afford and the bigger clubs do not want these players. So the, play, the, the teams that can afford these players, whether it's a fee and wages or just the wages, seemingly that's why it's loans because Arsenal has to pay uh, uh, some portion or half or even 60% of the wages. So once again, it's a little bit disappointing and that is my only gripe with Arsenal at the moment and the way, the reason why I feel we are not going to progress as quickly as we like because of the selling situation. Be even if you are loaning these guys out, they, they come back next season and it's again one or two or three players that's playing in preseason and it prohibits a youngster that could possibly. So we're going to be in the same situation next season if we continue to struggle to sell or release these players. But that's the current outgoing situation at the Arsenal. Crystal Palace versus Arsenal. Friday, 5 August 2022, 9 o'clock kickoff. We are here, people. Finally, the season is going to start. Pre-season is on a back burner. It's time for Arsenal to step up. It's yet another season where quite a bit of money has been spent and a lot of money because we're not in the Champions League and high wages and trying to get rid of players. So that's the reason why we are the highest spenders the last two seasons and it's time for Arsenal to show up and when I say show up fight for third 
So third or fourth, I, uh, doesn't really matter to be honest, but the higher the better. Uh, that is what Arsenal needs to do this season. And that starts with Sellers Park on Friday evening under the lights. A lot of people, to some extent myself, are always nervous when we go to Sellers Park. And um, a lot of people tend to say that outside of the top six going away, uh, Palace is probably tied with going to West Ham away uh, as the toughest away grounds in the league. I'm still very confident when it comes to this game. I've said it uh, to various people that maybe the confidence comes from the mindset that uh, we need to have that winning mentality. We need to have the mentality of the high press in pre-season that we've portrayed in certain games, especially on teams that wants to play out from the back. And uh, Palace tends to do that. They're quite physical as well. Got physically built players like their manager, our legend Patrick Vieira. And uh, they've got the type of players that's got, so they've got some skillful players up front. Mateta, I think Ayu is still there. And they've got Zaha, Eze. And uh, there's this other guy. Can't get to his name now because I don't really care about Palace, to be honest. And I don't know why fellow Arsenal fans are so concerned about this team. We were crap last season. That's why we didn't get... That's why we only got one point out of six. So Palace isn't as they not that daunting. So we need to take this form or the momentum that we've built up in pre-season, not just the results, but the cohesive and togetherness, especially that the two Man City players has brought to our pre-season. So I'm confident I'm going for 3-0. And uh, when you are on anything public platform, you're obviously putting yourself out there. But my 3-0 doesn't stem just from confidence. It's more from a mindset that we as fans also need to start changing. Crystal Palace are not prime Barcelona, prime Man City. It's a very tough place to go to. But these are the type of places that we keep on saying that we need to go to and win. I can understand going to a city and a Liverpool and hoping for a draw. But we need to go and win at Sellers Park. And we've got nice fixtures coming up. Leicester City, Fulham, directly after that. And I think they're both at home, if I'm not mistaken. So I think we've got Bournemouth in their way. The third game, Bournemouth. And then we've got Fulham, fourth game. And Aston Villa, fifth game. So game two, four and five are at the Emirates. So first five games, three at home. We need to get 15 points out of this first five games. And then I think it's August, uh, September where we go to Old Trafford and make it 18 there. So yes, it's unrealistic to expect that from an Arsenal team. Always when we do five games at a time, we always say 10 to 12 points minimum. And then we end up getting eight. But we need to change that mindset. The same way the players had to change the mindset the moment preseason started. I'm sure Arteta had a, a meeting with the guys on that first day and, and, and explained the change of mindset, the work rate, the way we're going to play, the style, the formation that we need to go about for this upcoming game. The referee, Anthony Taylor, another cheese cop guy. No hair on his head and... Uh, I don't want to now go into the, the referee situation, but we tend to think that he's quite bad for Arsenal, but I've made a little bit of a note that we had three games under him last season. Burnley away, where we won 1-0 with the Odegaard free kick, and then two home games, West Ham 2-0, and the Leicester home game 2-0. 
So we haven't conceded with him uh, last season. And even though the game's, I wouldn't say the toughest, but we've struggled at Burnley before. We've struggled against West Ham before, even though our results are good recently. And we have obviously had tough times against Leicester. So uh, the record last season is good. So let's actually be in a situation this upcoming season where the referee doesn't matter. Press high, play with emotion, but also play with the right mindset and uh, start using the quality attacking players that we've got in the team. So you, I'm expecting a big season from Odegaard. I'm expecting a big season from Martinelli, Jesus and Saka. That's the front four. Let's uh, hopefully have no injury issues as well, especially with Xhaka and Partey. I'm hoping we're going to sign another midfielder just so that we can solidify that area. Hopefully bring in a wide forward. It's time for Pepe to go. A wide forward that actually guarantees goals and guarantees work rate as well. So that's the type of players that we need coming off the bench. Uh, injury news. Uh, at the time of recording, there hasn't been any imagery of training. But from what I believe, uh, Smith Rowe has a groin injury. This Smith. Uh, and we probably are not going to see Tomiyasu and Tierney. They will probably train, but I'll be surprised if they are on the bench. Maybe one of them makes the bench, because it might be risky to, to have both. But there are nine substitutes, and we can make five subs in the game. Uh, another name uh, that I forgot to mention in terms of the outgoing list earlier is Charlie Pottino, or Pettino. That's now another midfielder that's now not going to be part of a Europa League squad or a Carabao Cup squad. So that also leads me to believe that a midfielder is incoming. So I expect the team, uh, the shape again to be 4-3-3 with a single pivot. And uh, Ramsdale in goal. Uh, our fullbacks to be Ben White on the right. Zinchenko on the left, our centre-backs, William Saliba and Gabriel Magalhães. A single pivot of Thomas Partey and then Xhaka on the left and on the right, closest to Saka on the right wing, Odegaard, captain, El Capitan. Left wing, Gabriel Martinelli and Jesus up front. So once again, the team that played so well against Chelsea and so well uh, for about 70 minutes against Sevilla before substitutions took place. So once again, it's going to be interesting to see later today when the press conferences take place and the imagery of training takes place. Is Emil Smith-Rowe at least in training? Is Vieira in training? Is Tomiyasu in training? And Tierney as well. They all have been in and around the media day. So I'm hoping that they are able to uh, be involved in semi to full training sessions as well but that unfortunately will only probably happen later today so that information isn't out there as yet but i don't expect those four players to be involved tomorrow and i hope there's no COVID issues like last season or someone has a niggle i just hope that we can have that same 11 that started against chelsea and sevilla and let's better crystal palace i'm going for a 3-0 win and hoping for the best. We need to... There's a few people that feel the draw is okay because of the fact that the fixtures are looking kind for the rest of the month. But I want 15 points by the time we hit Old Trafford in September. Come on, the Arsenal! My final thoughts for this week are the thoughts on the season ahead. Uh, I've broken down 
the first five fixtures, we've got Crystal Palace tomorrow evening away. Then Leicester City at home. Let's get Tielemans done before we play Leicester City. Come on, Arsenal, man. Then we've got Bournemouth away and then two home games consecutively on consecutive weekends against Fulham and Aston Villa. So uh, two consecutive goalkeepers coming to the Emirates. So once again, we're going to have goalkeeper having their best games issues as well with Leno and Martinez coming two weeks after the other to the Emirates. I'm hoping and I'm, I'm generally confident with this. I'm normally... Normally, uh, circumspect when it comes to predictions for the season because, once again, uh, the it's still about three, just over three weeks to go still with the transfer window and good things or not so good things could still happen. But I'm hoping that Arsenal can push for third this season. Uh, winning the Europa League will be tough because, once again, there's going to be some tough teams that comes into the pot after the group stages are done in the Champions League. And uh, annoyingly, there is a certain team that wears white and they've got a chicken on their chest on a beach ball that will also be dropping down. I can guarantee you that. So they, we're going to have a, a good chance of Man United, Arsenal and Leicester City, Leicester City, Tottenham Hotspur being in the Europa League come the knockout stages. I've also noticed while having a look at fixtures, especially in the cups and all those, we might have a little bit of an issue going for the cups due to the fact that uh, uh, during very difficult league games, there are league cup games that's going to take place. Now, obviously, we would anyway be changing the team. However, uh, if we were maybe a little bit more serious with the league cup and we have quite a tough draw because normally we get Man City or Liverpool or Chelsea in the League Cup, then we might have some problems, especially when we try and change the team. Because once again, at this stage, we're not quite strong enough and injuries uh, has already started early. So uh, I'm a little bit concerned when it comes to predicting that we'll win a cup uh, this upcoming season. So I'm going to go with we will not win the League Cup or FA Cup as a prediction. And I'm going for third place and the Europa League. Yes, that could be tough, especially with the fact that we've coming from a, a bad end to a season where we didn't have European football. We weren't far in the cups and still tended to struggle. But I'm confident that one or two signings will be made and maybe one in January as well. Hopefully we learn from the previous seasons that if we need something that we buy one or two in January while also trying to still continue offloading if we cannot do so in the next three weeks. So uh, I don't think we'll win any of the Cups. I'm going to go with us winning the Europa League. I'm going with that reluctantly because of uh, the luck that we've had uh, when we are in the competition, the type of draws that, that we've had. We've, I think it was only the one time, the Olympiakos debacle, whereby a team didn't go on to win the Europa League that we faced. So when we faced Chelsea in the final, they won the Europa League. Uh, when we faced Villarreal, they won the Europa League. When we faced Atletico Madrid, they won the Europa League. So other than the Olympiacos here, every season that we were in the Europa League, the winner was the team that knocked us out. So it's also about the luck of the draw. So I'm reluctantly saying that we will win the Europa League, especially with me going bold and saying we're going to compete quite far down 
with regards to third place. Not for first or second, but uh, it will be close, three, four and five once again uh, uh, come the end of the season. So reluctantly saying that I think we will win the Europa League and then hopefully pushing for third. So that, that's my thoughts. I don't normally do predictions before the end of the transfer window. So I might see things differently, especially with Chelsea. I don't know what they are doing, but they're now linked with Obama Young. Uh, so it doesn't seem like they've got a transfer strategy. Once again, throwing money at problems. And I think Man United will do so as well, because they might not be able to get Frankie de Jong. In fact, Frankie de Jong might go to Chelsea. So uh, there's still things that can change in this window. Uh, Tottenham can strengthen even further. And uh, Arsenal can strengthen even further. And those are my thoughts for the season ahead. Come on the Arsenal.